0: From the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Ah, yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson the bi-weekly-ish, because I don't have time to do it every week, podcast all about automotive marketing. We did add a Friday morning live edition, and we have one coming up this Friday at 1030, talking about what's trending in the automotive industry. Lots of different guests on every Friday. But anyway, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. You can find us wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. And by the way, the Friday morning version is on uh, YouTube and Facebook, so you can check it out. Uh, there. I'm very excited to talk about my guest today because I came across him on LinkedIn. He's everywhere. He's a podcaster, speaker, automotive marketing expert, agency owner. He's a trainer. Most importantly, he is an orange tie wearer. His name is Jason Harris. Hey Jason, how you doing?
1: What is going on, Matt, man? Thanks for uh, having me on the show. This is, uh, this is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We had a nice little chat before we started. Um, I came across you on LinkedIn somehow. I can't remember exactly how. The first thing I noticed was, A, he wears an orange tie. Second, for some reason, all his videos seem to be taking place in restaurants or bars, um, which at I, I, first I was <laughs> perplexed by. And then I was like, was, so is he like having a cocktail during these things? I don't really know what's going on. 100%. And then as I did a little more research and found out more about you, I thought, ooh, I want to talk to this guy. So before we get into the nitty gritty, and I don't really have like, a pre plan or questions or anything. We'll just chit chat. That's cool. I do want to ask you um, first about the orange. Where did the orange come from? Good branding. You know what it was? I would love
1: to tell you, like, it's got this
0: amazing origin story, but it was actually
1: just straight up, just dumb, stupid. Look, luck. Oh, right. like um, I I, I had just sold my Mitsubishi dealership and decided to open up an agency and NADA was right around the corner. And uh, my first graphic designer that I had on staff, I'm like, I need a business card. Please go make me a business card. Yeah, but we don't even have a logo set up yet. I'm like, I don't care, just whatever it is, just make it. I, I just need something I can take with me, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I take this box, I take it with me, I go down to NADA and I'm getting ready and realize I have no tie. And I'm like, oh crap! Um, right. I think I was staying at the Bellagio or something like that, and and uh, I was like, all right, no big deal. You know, I'll just go downstairs. There'll be some stupid, expensive, you know, um, uh, men's shop or something like that, and I'll buy a tie. So I go down there and I'm looking around for a tie, and th- this orange tie catches my eye. I go, hey, wait a second, isn't that isn't that what my my new business card is? And I pull out the box, and my business card was this black card with an orange logo on it. Sweet. So I'll grab the orange tie. So I grabbed the orange tie and uh, we do the whole, I do the whole conference is great. And as I'm following up with people, they're like, "Uh, who are you again? I said, you know, I was that guy that wearing the orange tie. Oh yeah. I remember who you are. We talked about blah, 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 blah. And then that's when the light bulb went off. I'm like, right. Boom. Color association. People may not remember my name, even though it is my ultimate goal objective is to never actually introduce myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they will recognize the color. So it's the orange ties, orange headphones, orange shoes, orange car I drive. Everything now is branded orange.
0: I like that. I used to work with a guy uh, who was a sales guy at at a store that I worked at and he wore a bow tie. And his name was Seth Brown and they called him Seth Brown or Bowtie Brown or Seth Bowtie Brown or whatever. And I I thought, boy, that's pretty smart. And he was kind of a, you know, kind of a unique looking fellow, but he always had a bowtie on. And you know what? He left the dealership like salespeople do. And people would come back and say, we say, who'd you work with last time you were here? Oh, I don't know. The guy with the bowtie. And you know exactly who it was. So, I think you, See, that's
1: the thing, right? Yeah. Actually, I'm going to give it because of that story, I'm going to give a big shout out to Mr. Bowtie Terrence.
0: Bowtie if Terrence. If you get right.
1: a chance, Google Bowtie Terrence. He's an automotive salesman down south and he's an amazing rapper. So, not only <laughs> okay. does he wear the bow ties, but he also raps at his dealership. And the guy has created an amazing brand for himself. I think maybe I saw that guy. I'm trying to think. You should totally get him on the show. Like, he's, he's just. Sales guy, branding one oh one, he just being himself totally fell into
0: will it. you hook us up on LinkedIn? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the cocktails. You're doing your videos and I'll talk about some of them because a couple of them, I really, uh, I wanted to discuss with you, but while you're doing them, I'm assuming that there's, there's a I see a brown liquid, so I'm assuming it's bourbon. Um, I don't I know am, if it's I I Diet Coke scotch, or what, or
1: what you got in there. Bourbon, scotch, whiskey, there you um, go. anything in that family. Yeah, me too. I do a joy. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm on the road a lot. Um, mm. I drive around 8,000 kilometers a month. I don't know how far that is. Talk talk
0: talking miles for me. Miles.
1: I apologize. So it's about four to 5,000 miles. Okay. So I do about (laughs) four or 5,000 miles. See, this is, this is me. I've been, I've been in Canada for such a long time. I'm now, I love Canada jokes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I do too. I all right. Do. Four to 5,000 miles. That's a lot. Four, I, I, so I drive about four or 5,000 miles and um, I'm usually record, I am recording content during my meetings and conversations. So you see a lot of videos where I'm like talking to someone, but you don't see who I'm talking to at a dealership. Yeah. And then to continue the role, continue the momentum I have with recording, I also record during all meals and Breaks and everything else in between. Um, now, people always about uh, yeah. People have been asking me, goes, "Well, don't you drink on the road?" I said, "Yes," but I also have a driver, so uh, good thing. So it is totally safe to do. But I know that sounds a little pompous, but I'll tell you right now, it is a hack of proficiency of efficiency. Like it is, I've, I've hacked it because you know now. I since I drive that mileage, I'm still able to do the mileage and work at the exact same time. It totally makes
0: sense. I think it makes sense. I mean, if you think about traveling. Um, You know, as as an example, we'll use COVID here as an example, right? So I'm an account director at an agency. So I travel to visit clients, which I haven't done since March, right? I've been doing all my video chats with my clients that require, you know, either driving, like I'm driving to Long Island. I live in Connecticut. So I'm driving two hours or taking the ferry or if I'm flying to Louisiana, that's time that you know, I'll get work done at the airport or if I are reading on the airplane or whatever, but it takes me an hour and a half to get to, to get to JFK from where I live. That's, that's time that I'm not working. I'm listening to podcasts or I'm not, you know, thinking I'm not working on my computer doing what I need to be doing. Um, but if I live near the airport, I would spend more time at my desk or more time at the gate where you can be productive than driving. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe it sounds, I don't think it sounds pompous. Well, you know what? I think we're going to I
1: actually did the math. I figured I spent about four to five hours behind a steering wheel of a car every single day.
0: Yeah. That's uh, a lot. So
1: when I did, so when I went did the math, it was two and a half months of working days that I spent behind the steering wheel, not being productive in front of a computer. Yeah. And I'm like, so what would happen to my business if I got the two and a half, two and a half months back? And I tell you, I did it. And getting that time back far exceeded the cost of bringing someone with me to uh to be able to help in those driving efforts <laughs> yeah
0: no i agree with that i mean if you look at like just from the perspective now of working from home like i feel like you know i think i've been more productive getting more done reach talking to my clients more video chatting more prospecting more by not spending i'm in my office more than i used to be because my office is you know in my house it it <laughs> i'm there right away i'm not go driving to work i'm not flying somewhere um and I think it's been productive. I don't think I don't think we I've missed a step, or my or our business that I work for has missed a step at all. I think that it's been super efficient. So I'm on board. I, I I'm okay with that. Does that matter? You no, know, I, I, no, no. It's cool. Um,
1: <laughs> I actually had a conversation with a dealership the other day, kind of around that same concept of they realized um, a fair amount of their salespeople that were responding to internet leads while they were home really was doing actually a hell of a lot better than when they were responding to internet leads now that they're back in the dealership. So they're, they're asking themselves that question, like what would it look like if we had a salesperson work from home?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Cause like to your point, I agree with you. I have been more productive and efficient being stuck in this room all day yeah. than I have, you know, being out and about. So
0: I feel like if you have a BDC a manager or a BDC person who you trust. Like obviously you personally as a manager can't be a micromanager who wants to know what your people are doing every two seconds. But if you have somebody you can trust, you don't have to micromanage, mm-hmm. who you agree upon what you're going to use to measure productivity, why can't that person do their job from home? They're primarily talking on the phone, emailing or texting customers. Why can't they be why do they have to be at a at an area behind the sales manager's desk to do that? They don't. Yeah, I mean, why, why does a salesperson
1: need to be, you know, local floor traffic being so light right now. Um, we're, you know, we're watching people sit on a sales floor just staring out the window. And, you know, they're struggling to be as productive as they were when they're at home. Is it not crazy to think that potentially salespeople could be working at home and then just meeting the clients at the dealerships to actually finalize the transaction?
0: I don't think it's crazy. I was at one of the stores I used to be at. We had a salesperson who was there for 25 years, right? And yeah, what- they, they, every dealership yeah. has that guy, right? Yeah, I exactly. What yeah. and, what's, <laughs> and what's the retail day, customer day? Saturday. That's when you want to be there for customers to walk in. She didn't, she didn't work on Saturdays because her business was built around repeat customers and built around scheduling appointments with her customers that were convenient for her. She literally did not work on Saturdays and sold 30 cars a month because she structured around having her customers be there and she would be there to be, if she had a customer who was like a, been a customer for, you know, 10 years and they bought three or four cars and they could only be there on a Saturday, she would come in on a Saturday. But she was able to run her business at the car dealership on a Monday through Friday schedule by setting appointments, talking on the phone, dealing with emails, not having to be there, waiting for that customer to roll in at 930 on a Saturday and spending all day trying to find that person a car, which is not an efficient use of time anyway. No, not, I mean, not at all. I mean,
1: I, I, I seriously think we can structure this way. And I think actually the customer has been, has been now conditioned all right, two scheduling appointments more than they have before, right? Um, look, during. You know, during the whole time that dealerships were closed and we were all shut down and we're at home, you know, staying at home because the government's told us so. You know, now I'm able to go out and about and go to the grocery store when I want to go to. But like in the past, if I wanted to order groceries, I ordered my groceries and they told me, they told me what time I had to be there to pick it up. Same thing with everything else. So I think the customer has actually been conditioned to understand that it is more efficient to define a time when I'm going to engage with a business, yeah, versus me just showing. You know, like I, I got three kids. I have, will never set foot in a grocery store ever. Like, yeah. in fact, I was thinking to myself, what the hell did I ever do that before? You ever try to take three three kids around the age of nine to a grocery store? It's it's no. it's literally like a like a dark ops mission. It's like, okay, guys, <laughs> here's the that? plan. We're going in, we're going stealth, we're going here, 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 and we're going to be out and no one's going to know it. And then it never works out that no. way. And it's just like World War Three bombs are going off, kids are yelling, shit's getting thrown all over the
0: place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, heck no. You know, I think you're right in terms of like people are conditioned you know, like I same, if like you said grocery store, great example, like haircut. I use an example, you know, I go to like a barber shop in a city, in an area near me. And it's just kind of like walk in. Now I just text my guy. Hey man, are you available Thursday at 9am? Yeah, I'm good. I'm never going to just pop in again and wait with four people in front of me to get my haircut, I'm going to text my guy, schedule the time, walk in and get it done and walk out. So I'm not spending 30 minutes playing some ridiculous badminton game on my phone, waiting for my turn to get my haircut. And I think with car dealerships, it's the same thing, right? It's more efficient to make an appointment and it's more efficient for the person who's going and it's more efficient for the salesperson. So why not try and drive the customer into that, into doing it that way when naturally they're probably already getting used to it and other forms of shopping in their lives.
1: Well, look, I think it's a great idea, but if we're to go that direction as a business, we have to be prepared, right? Like if the customer sets a time and date when they're going to be there, the expectation is that we are prepared for them. Well, yeah. Here's what I see happen right now. Customer shows up for their showed up appointment. Oh yeah. Who are you here to see? Oh, John. Uh, you know what? I I think he's actually on lunch right now. Hold on. Let me see if I can find him. I'll page him. Do you know what I mean? Like like when you show up for your haircut and yeah. actually it's funny you say that because my barber actually did the exact same thing. He's now using an app um, that I can actually go on, select my time and then I can show up at that time. So I don't even have to call in anymore. So just again, even more efficiency. Yeah, but cool. like, you know, like if, if if customer is going to that point where they're setting up that appointment, their expectation is that you're prepped and ready to have that ready for them. Yeah. You know how many times I should I see, a, see a, someone show up for a test drive. They're like, hold on a second, let me go to the back. It's two three cars deep. It'll take me about fifteen minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. That's like you know you that's like um customers, same thing two or three deep or oh that car's at our at our uh, at our storage lot. <laughs> let me go get oh, yeah. it. Back it's our C hour. lot. Let me let me um. Yeah. I think the other Here, thing I'll too back. is, you know, if, if the customer, if you're, if you're, you can't just say you're going to do it. You have to have the process in place that matches what you're saying you're going to do. I did an yep. episode a while back or did I, oh, actually I never released it where I read customer review. I think I'm going to do this. Don't steal this idea. I don't want to see this on your podcast. I'm going to read, uh, no, well, I'm yeah. going to read customer reviews. Bad reviews online from a bunch of anonymous stores, which is going to be all stores that I know, but anonymous stores. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about a what the store could have done process wise to avoid getting that review. And then b how they should respond to it, or how they should have responded to it or why they didn't respond to it and go over it and use it as a you don't think it's a good idea. No, I think it's a great I'll idea. Use it and what I'll do
1: is I'll let you keep that one, but I'm going to do. do is I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm not going to read dealerships responses.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea too. And
1: then, and then I'm going to say, was this a good one or a bad one? Because boy, have I seen some doozies.
0: I love when they get combative with the person. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, Mr. That. Smith, that you feel that
1: way, but- when you came in and da, da 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 da
0: Yeah, yeah. Whoa, easy. But
1: I love the but. Yeah. I'm sorry, like you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I don't give a crap when
0: you <laughs> I like it, and I think it's important for um like you said, the expectation is that like, you know, there's a pizza place in my town that yep. we love. Um and they started doing curbside. Pickup you call, you order it you roll up you call and say you're here and they say what kind of car do you have uh, gray Murano and they come right outside and they stick it in your trunk for you. Yep. Um, if I got there and they said oh we forgot to make your pizza that'd be the last time I go there to the pizza place. and it's, like, like, when, We, can be we
1: have to embrace that preparation. Like yeah. this is just something as I think as as customers all around have now gotten used to business being prepared for the consumer. Mm-hmm. It's like we're the same thing. Like here's what it looks like to be prepared. Right? It's like uh, I'm you know, Mr. Harrison, I just showed up for my test drive and out front is the car parked that I asked about with a sign that says reserved for Mr. Harris. Yes. Boom.
0: That's awesome. Right.
1: Cleaned up. Come on. Shiny. Exactly. And then I get into it and there's a bottle of water sitting there waiting for me.
0: Yep. It's all the process and the experience.
1: It's little things. And, and that's what it is. I think right now, I, I have two big theses right now as an industry that we need to really adopt and create mindsets around so as, so we can continue to profit, is that we have to understand that profitability is not going to come from any marketing message out there, all right? We're going to have to process our way to profitability. That's that's one. And then the second one is that we have to understand that little things make big, big, big differences. And it's those little things that a customer remembers, all right? And it's the little things that the customer uses to define what that ultimate experience is going to be. It's never a big thing, you notice that? Like if it's a big thing, we fix it, right? Yeah.
0: If it's little, you think, ah, it's not something to worry about, forget it. But then it keeps coming back and it chips away at that, whatever it is, loyalty or uh, chips away at your brand or your reputation. And the, the the we used to say, um, at the radio group I used to work for, the devil is in the details. The little oh, things are what sinks you. Okay, so a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on this. If a dealership, Sweet. if a dealership is rolling through general managers, let's say they go through two general managers in a year, and you're thinking about working at that dealership, is that a red flag for you? hundred percent. Cause the dealership just, thinks, oh, we just, we can't find the right person.
1: Yeah. No, what it is, is that the dealership, well, you know what, It could be the dealerships actually is looking for the wrong person, you know? So they're, they're, they're not like, someone asked me the other day, you know, should we hire within or should, or should we promote within or hire outwards? Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, well, we should never promote within. We should be developing within so that when a promotion does come about, it's just a, it's an automatic. Right. Right. Yep. Should we hire with, should we hire outwards? Absolutely. But we have to define what the golden objective is for the business before we actually know who the heck we're hiring. Here's what I find is that as an industry we're stuck into this superstar culture. We hire for superstars. Right. That's all we want. We want, we want LeBron's working at our, right. at our dealerships. That's it. That's the, the only person we want to work in our dealership is <laughs> yeah. that. So it's just, that's constantly what we're looking for. Right. But we're not looking for those players that are going to play as a team. Mm-hmm. We're looking for those people that are just going to come in and, and they're going to dominate and right. they're gonna brute force their way
0: into profitability. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. And I think it's funny too, because you see that, I mean, I, you know, that's such a, that happens so much at dealerships where it's so funny. Uh, as an example, I work with a, a dealer, a client at my agency who everyone who works there has been there for 30 years. Like, it's crazy. I was at a, says a lot. I was at a breakfast, like a, a, they do a yearly breakfast with their whole staff. Right. And they invite some of their vendors. And so we, we handle their advertising. They invited us. We went down there and they go around the room and everyone talks about who they are, where they live, how long they've been there, and why they like working there. And I I was, by the way, it took like three hours. I was at the end of the table. So by the time I got around to me, (laughs) it was like three hours into the breakfast. Everybody who worked there had worked there 20 years or longer. And when I'm talking about salespeople, finance people, general manager, general sales manager, and I feel like that that's very rare compared to the group that I came from. Do you think that's do you see that in other places, or is that extremely rare right now? Uh, it, it is very rare. Um, you
1: know, I've had the opportunity to be in thousands of dealerships, right, sure, a lot more you know, than all me. over the U.S. and in Canada, and you will see patterns. And I'll tell you right now, you know, the, when it comes to the the top one percent of dealerships out there, you walk in, there's a clearly defined culture. Now, when a company's got an amazing culture, it's you want to continue to be a part of that. So it's not weird to find employees that have been there. 10 15 20 25 years and don't think much of it because they're embedded into the culture they believe that they're as much of a part of it than anybody else and that they actually matter yeah. when i find dealerships like the last question you were asking that they've gone through two people what they're doing is they're hiring for position they're not hiring for the culture yeah big fundamental problem
0: a couple of um Days ago, you posted a video that I wanted to mention that I thought was cool. You, or maybe this oh, was no. maybe this was yesterday. No, 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 no. I'm not calling to I'm not, <laughs> not trying to pick on you here. Um, this is a conversation that a buddy of, of, of mine and I used to have a lot. It was about talking to your customer, not at your customer, right? Yeah. So my introduction to Auto, you know, moving from when I was in radio to moving to the automotive side was recording commercials for car dealerships. Like I would be in the studio and the owner of a dealership would come in with his copy to record his commercial or they would send us their commercial from the agency and our thing in the radio station always was, why is this guy yelling at me? Like, that was always our joke. Like, <laughs> why are these car dealerships yelling at me? And so I saw your video, um, and it made me, it reminded me of that conversation where I was like, why is this person's TV commercial or the radio commercial yelling at me? Why aren't they talking they to me seem about so what matters? Mad? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> where they're like, we have huge discounts. Yeah. Why is there an axe coming through the screen? What is going on? Why are things blowing up? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it, you know what it is, is like at one point in time, that kind of marketing did have its place, Yeah, right? And it actually for some people, it still works today. I, I have some connections on LinkedIn that have that very monster truck announcer style Sunday, approach to their Sunday, brand, Sunday. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and it works for them, right? But I think what it is, is because of today's technology, it's kind of an unacceptable way to actually market Right. Instead of standing on top of your dealership and yelling at the top of your lungs, you know, with today's technology, you can know who you're targeting. You know who it is. You know who's going to your website. All right. You know, they're male, they're female. You know what their age range is. And heck, you know, on your in your Google Analytics or your Facebook Analytics, you know, if they're single or if they're in a relationship or if they have kids like, you know, so much, so much information about the person that you're trying to market to. It's unacceptable just to stand on top of your dealership and yell at them.
0: Yeah. We did a commercial once. Um, I should save all these goods. I should save all these good stories when we do your podcast. I don't know why I'm using all my good stories here. <laughs> it's good. But, I uh, love good stories. We did uh, We did a commercial where, and I, whether it was self-serving or not, or it benefited us, I don't really know, but it made us laugh, where um, it was a July 4th commercial, and we were basically poking fun of, you know, it's the July 4th sale. It's the weekend to buy a car. And we had, like, and the whole thing was, was. The owner at the end being like, guys, this is super cheesy, but it was like, you know, balloons, and he couldn't see You're on the balloons to talk about how you know our event is low key and we don't need a huge ho- a huge holiday f- to give you a reason to come in. And at the end, we had a confetti cannon where like we took it off and it blew in his face, and he was like, ah, <laughs> screw this, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. But the whole thing was about being that like we're not the type of dealer who, you know. Screaming and yelling, and hey, July 4th is the only day you can buy a car because that's when you get the best savings of the year. It was like, listen, we're here every day. We've been here for 30 years. We're a family owned company. We're, you know, here's how we're different. Um, And here's how everyone else, you lump everyone else into this July 4th weekend. Um, And, you know, whether that resonated with people or not, you know, it was really, there wasn't really a way to to measure it or or we didn't know the way to measure it. But I feel like um, doing it ironically is the only way to do it now. Because otherwise yes. you're just, you know, there was a, there was a, um, there was a dealer in Connecticut that used to be, um, in his commercial, he was writing on a pencil. Like he like the pencil <laughs> was like a ship and he was in the pencil and the pencil was flying, you know, because they're penciling the deal. Yeah, of course. The and penciling. the guy's slogan was because he, you know, um, I forget the guy's name the dealership is closed now, but it used to be like, he just wants to get you alone was the slogan. And I'm like, I don't, and this was years and years ago. And I, I don't feel bad telling the story. Cause they don't, I don't think, I think they're out of business. I well, was yeah, like, for
1: some, for some people that still works. It really does. Yeah, right. But it I, does, I, I, it does. Does. I, I think it's a waste of marketing dollars. Cause what you're doing is you're developing a brand that's not necessarily, now. look, that may be you, you right. may be that monster truck announcer all the time on and off the camera. And if you are, then okay, own it and be that monster truck truck announcer. But I find most people aren't. And what they do is they're putting a persona out there. The customer comes in, you know, because they saw this crazy, fun, energetic piece. They're like, hey, those guys look like fun. I'm going to go buy a car from them. And then you find out it was really just a commercial. Yeah. Um, And they're not like that at all. And everyone's walking around in suits and ties and, you know, doesn't have the time of day to talk to you or, you know, whatever it is. Right. So like, I think what it is, is that from a marketing perspective, it's it's probably more branding than it is marketing actually Mm -hmm. anymore. It's because I think as consumers, we want to connect with a brand before we ultimately do business with them. And it's just like, how do we connect to them? You know, are they somewhat like me? You know, are they a person? It's too off too often we're doing our marketing and we're we're marketing the business as a as just these big discounts and low yeah, discounts right. and all this other crap and in reality this business is made up of all these amazing individuals and at the end of the day that's what my plate that's what makes my place unique how you can go buy a toyota camry for the same damn price at 16 other
0: locations yeah
1: but you're not going to buy it from these people
0: we used to say like we all have the same cars at relatively the same prices you know, you know, and there's three dealerships in this franchise within a 15 mile radius. So like, why am I gonna, you know, why? How do you choose where you're gonna go? Okay, well these guys are closest to me. What's their reputation? Is 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 I think a major one. And then you know what's different? Oh, they will, uh, you know, come pick up my car when I need to get it serviced, or they have loaner cars so I can get my car. Like, but I hate telling all these stories. But there's a Jeep dealer near me who the closest Jeep dealer to me um, doesn't have a loaner program, right? Okay. Um, And there's a Jeep, Jeep dealer farther away, about 15 minutes farther away who had loaners. So when I was getting my Jeep service, this is going back 10 years, I didn't go to the guy next to me because I needed a car to drive when my car was in the shop. So I went to the store that was 15 minutes farther away because I needed to have a car. And little things like that could be the differentiating factor in where where someone buys a car, or where in this case where they service a car. And you've got to have those things built out, and then get that message out there because we all have the same cars at basically the same prices.
1: No, it's totally true, and then that's what I'm saying. Like, I think dealerships right now need to identify to for the consumer uh, to understand why they should ultimately do business with them. And for a lot, and for a lot of dealerships out there, they haven't defined that. You know, they think you know. um, Well, you know, we're the home of the uh, no charge oil change. Okay, well, that's 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 nice, and and thank you for giving me that, you know, when I do a transaction with you, but that's not ultimately the reason why I'm going to come back because if I come to your dealership and it's a really bad experience, I don't care if it's free or not. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to continue to be loyal to you. Yeah. Right. Like, look, bottom line, happy employees make for happy customers, happy customers make for more profitable uh, transactions. And it seems like we're, we're focused so much on the transaction that we forget that we have to step back and focus on our people all right and that's what people want to connect with. They want to connect with other people. They want to be a part. They're like, "Wow, this seems like a happy place. You're happy. How long have you been here?" "Been here for 20 years." "Okay, why?" <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the story that needs to come out in our presentation. Like, look, the customer walked in. They asked about a Toyota Camry. Let's stop talking about the Toyota Camry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they've already come to your place. Now tell them why they should actually do business with you as an individual.
0: I think and I think customers even if it's psychological, not psychological, even if it's, even if it's not at the forefront, like if, what the heck is the word I'm looking for? I think customers think, can understand that too. Like I would have vendors come visit me at different stores that were in my group and they would come into one store and they'd be like, man, over at that other store, it has such a good vibe. It has a yeah. positive atmosphere. The place is clean. The people are smiling. And when I come here, everyone looks depressed. Like customers pick up on that. And whether it's the music in the showroom or it's the way that people are dressed or it's this, the look on their face, that stuff is important. It
1: does. And you know what? And I'll tell you this from me, from visiting as many dealerships, it positively affects your closing ratios too. You think so, huh? You know, Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I'm telling you these dealerships where you just walk in and it's just, people are excited and happy to be there. Yeah. And you know, and you know, you know how smiling is like contagious, right? Yeah. You know, you're like, you've kind of tested that in a group of people. If you just kind of walk up to a group of people and you start smiling, all of a sudden you see that person start smiling and then that person starts smiling. It's just, we just do this inherently, right? Yeah. Um, And it's the exact exact same thing. I mean, people just want to do business at environments that just feel more comfortable, that are happy places, right? So I've actually seen these dealerships that have done this. Not only do they close higher, but their profitability is also higher.
0: Yeah, it's a good... A good argument for not having a scowly receptionist. The person oh my has gosh. to be Let's a happy. Let's talk about the receptionist. Ha- that job is so <laughs> important.
1: It is right? one of the most underrated positions in a dealership. It still blows my mind today. I'll call on a dealership, and I will get somebody that significantly hates their life.
0: Yeah, that's not good.
1: Just, just, just hates it. The fact they're there and they're answering the phones, it's just like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Um, like you're inconveniencing
0: just, them by calling.
1: It is. It's one of the most, you tell you, I actually tell, I'll actually tell dealerships. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I call in a lot of dealerships. Sounds like Janice down there is having a rough day. Yeah. She may not be the one to answer the phone right now. And then yeah. usual, that's if I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, right. Wait, 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 what do you mean? You know this and you continue to let Janice answer the phone? Yeah. Mm, okay, we have other problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. And I think it's funny too because, you know, in a position like that or maybe even maybe even BDC is an example, you know, the, the the type of person that the salary you're offering or the hourly wage you're offering for that job, the type of person that you get is not the type of person that you need. You need that person who sounds like they're smiling on the phone
1: or who so, – Go ahead. You'll get a kick out of this. At my dealership, I never called my receptionist a receptionist. She was a manager. She was manager of first impressions. That's true. And that's and, and you know what's funny? In that title alone, when she came in to apply for the position, and I'm not saying from a payroll perspective, I spent I spent any more than what I would have normally just asked for a receptionist, but the job expectation was clear. Your responsibility is to manage the first impression of every person that walks through the store. And she owned it. She's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the culture. We actually
1: turned her. We actually, she was so good. We actually turned her into a salesperson (laughs) because it was just like, then it was hard to find another
0: one. I mean, and it's um, uh, that starts with the culture. That starts with the this is your job. Your job is to be, you know, as opposed to like, okay, here's how you answer the phones. Here's how you, here's, here's how you pass out gas slips and key track. Oh, yeah. And by the way, make sure you smile. Like you, you reversed it. This is this is why you're here. This is the most important part of your job. And by the way, you got to yes. answer the phone and do this and do that. Um, this is a good way to look at it. But I think, like you said, it comes back to the culture of the dealership and the ownership. Um, let's little talk things. All little things. Little things. Yep. Let's talk about a really little thing that I think is an interesting uh, conversation that I've had a couple times at, at my stores was uh, merchandising. I, we used to have a discussion about and i'm always looking i always like to get people's opinions on it um stickers on the sides of cars right and the, on the <laughs> yeah. lot there's two kinds there's the identifying sticker which is like above the window that says 2017 used sentra uh you know two wheel drive uh which you know if you're walking around the lot you can look up and you can see, you know see oh that's those are over there and then there's the like lease this car for 199 a month uh yep. s- stickers um And the argument we had internally was, you've already got them to come here. Why would you stick the $199 a month in front of them when that's a price that they're probably not going to get unless they have $3,000 to put down? They're already here, so why advertise that? And uh, and then the other one was, like, why put the sticker on top identifying the vehicle? You want them to walk around, look at the Moroni labels, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know you're wasting your $1,200 a month retainer on those stickers. That was always our discussion. Before I tell you where I came, where, before where I come down on the on that, um, what, what are your thoughts? I think merchant,
1: oh, you know, first thing first, I think it's, and I don't mean to laugh. I was laughing a little bit when you were saying yeah, that, was that rude, because the, it's, well, like, crap. <laughs> I mean, how many years has it been? Like what, 20 years since we've been having the discussion yeah. around merchandising? Yeah. Like seriously, I go to one more conference and a keynote speaker <laughs> up there is standing up there and still talking about merchandising. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that it's 2020 and we're still having a discussion around merchandising. Right. And the thing was, I, I had fun with merchandising. I had a lot of fun with merchandising. I wanted to merchandise. I want to merchandise in a unique way. I used to actually write out on my uh, pre-owned cars stories about the car. And I gave each car a name,
0: uh, uh-huh. which
1: made it very fun because then the stickers on the cars were actually the name of the car. I'm like, you know, Ralph, is a uh, 1997 Ford Escort. Uh, Ralph likes quiet walks and won't go anywhere fast, but we'll get you there efficiently. You know, and like I, I, I yeah. had fun right. with it because yeah. it was boring as hell to write out these stupid descriptions. So I'm like, if I'm going to do it, I might as well have fun with it. Yeah. And then you know what's funny? It was great. I had people come in and go, hey, I'm here to see Ralph. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Fine. Let's okay. Right. You guys are funny. And they get a giggle at it. Yeah. Right. You know, but I'd actually, the cars were actually named. And the reason why they were named on the lot was because my salespeople now had a story to tell. Why does this car have the name Ralph on it? Well, that's what we named it, but you're more than welcome to name it whatever you want.
0: Yeah, it's Conversations and right there, yeah. It, it
1: was, it was Good Conversations. Starter. See, I, I'm a firm believer in storytelling. And it's like, I need a story to tell. And like, how exciting can I make a story around a 1997 Ford you know, Focus? Yeah, not really that exciting. Yeah, like, it's not, not like, an I'm exciting car,
0: exciting. not an exciting story, right? No, but I'm gonna write one. Yeah. Ralph sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think it's cool. I think, you know, you um I remember one time with um a Nissan Leaf at one of my stores, we did a uh like thought bubbles that we stuck on the car because it's a car that, you know, has a lot of unique characteristics, hundred percent electric, no gas. Oh, I like that. So we did like I am hundred percent electric, I don't, you know, harm the environment. Or it was like, you know, um You know, uh, my speed isn't measured in miles per hour. It's measured in, you know, whatever it was, um, trees I save. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, you know, but there comes a point too, where like a dealer will look at that and go, Oh, well I'm spending all my money on stickers. It's a waste of money, but it's not. Things like that are a piece of the puzzle.
1: It, it, allows, it allows it allows the consumer to be a part of a story. And everyone wants to be a part of the story, right? You know? Like I, 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 I the reason I kind of thought of stuff like that, and I like that is because um, you know, when I was young, I used to watch these uh was it pop pop videos. Do you remember watching those music videos where it's like pop up some information? Yeah, like VH one pop up videos. Yeah, VH one.
0: Do you remember VH one? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think
1: we just we you know we just dated ourselves.
0: Definitely right. is VH one um, even still around? is that even I, a thing? I don't I
1: don't think so. <laughs> 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 Next thing you know, we'll start talking about people and buy. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> anyway, continue um, your story. But I love that idea. I, I, I just in my head, that's how I wanted to describe cars. That's how I wanted yeah. to merchandise my cars. I love it. It's like with these little pop pops. It's yeah. you know, and and, and the people enjoyed those. And like I would love putting these little pop up up stickers around the car saying, you know, we did this or this just got happened. Whenever we had a car where we replaced the brakes, I would actually put a little sticker on here. I have new brakes. Um, also yeah. again, from a reconditioning perspective, um, we recondition in thousands of cars a year, yet we do a horrible job of talking about our reconditioning efforts to our consumer. Right. So, but like, it's like, if you ever go online right now, go to any auto trader or whatever, you know, uh, marketplace, look how the private people sell their cars and look how a dealership sells their cars. Like I'm looking at the exact same car, I'm looking at like a 2007 Nissan centro right? Mm-hmm. And it's like here's someone who's selling it privately, here's a dealership selling it. I go to the dealership's listing and they're merchandising, it's uh, got uh, power steering, <laughs> uh, power windows, a AM FM radio. And I'm like, really? Wow. And then I go to this private listing and I'm like, hey, bought this car, you know, for my daughter. She was going back forth the college. She doesn't need it anymore. We serviced it all the time at the dealership. I have copies of those services. We just recently did the upper strut housing on it. We placed the lower ball joints and it's all e-tested and safety and certified and ready to go. Like, I'm like okay. So clearly, so like th- this individual knows how to market and sell a car, merchandise a car online better than we do as a dealership.
0: Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, what about balloons? Oh, gosh. You know, I used
1: to love balloons until actually up here in Canada, we actually had a helium shortage. That was a real thing? It was a total real thing. Like, all of a sudden, I was, like, buying my helium from this guy. And then, like, he kept jacking up the prices. And I'm kind of like, what's then going you're buying, on? And, then you're buying it and, in an alley. And, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, and it was, like, yeah, and it was like, yeah. Then I started having to get, you know off the truck helium and yeah, stuff. Trunk and it of, got real weird. Truck of a car
0: like, in the dark and the rain. Yeah. Yeah, they randomly explode. No, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to buy something explosive black market. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm anti balloon. I I like balloons. I like making it an event. I think it should be an event. My first experience at a dealership, I was seven years old and uh, my dad took me to a Ford dealership. He was buying a brand new, he was buying a brand new F one fifty. That was his dream truck. Always wanted it. And um, we were going there to pick, pick it up. And I went to this, this big monster building with all these cars and there was a monster truck parked out front. There was a guy who gave me a balloon and a hot dog and there was a petting zoo. And I'm like, Dealerships are the most awesome place <laughs> in the entire world. Holy crap, they have a bouncy castle. I'm in love. Um, and and, yeah. and actually, you know what? The funny thing is, first, my dad tells the story now, that several years after that, uh, when he would ask us kids what we want to do that weekend, my answer was, I want to go to the car dealership uh, because I associated the car dealership with just this cool, fun, yeah place to be at on the weekend. So I actually I I actually I I'm in that place where I still like to kick it old school like that. And it's like bring out the barbecue, bring out the speakers, bring out the bouncy castle. Let's have some fun.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think part of that too is like we would have radio station remotes and a food truck come, right? I think part of that (laughs) is not just for the customers, but it's also for morale for the sales team.
1: it's energy. We Everybody's would, yeah. participating. In it. Everybody's mouths are full with a burger, or a yep. dog, and you know. It's like actually, you love this. I actually have one dealership that actually uh, did hot dogs on such a regular basis. All right, on the weekends that they actually got really good at it, <laughs> to the point where people would in the local community would show up. Because the dogs were that good. He, he started just to keep costs down, started sourcing his hot dogs from a local farm. Uh-huh. Then it was like a local bakery. We're making the buns and these were top notch. So then I literally started creating a marketing campaign for him um, and how they created that local town's hot dog. And it was like, if you wanted a hot dog, you wanted the best hot dog in town, you came to the dealership for it.
0: Like a lunch spot. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it was. So Saturday, it was, it was literally, it became a community get together. He actually took it one step farther. He would set up a big tent. He'd lay out, he'd lay out picnic tables and it was a day where they could sell, but also a day where just the community can come and yeah. hang out. He had a garage band come in, you know, some high school band come in, play during the weekends. Yeah. He made a bloody event out of it. He yeah. still does it by the way. And they are like amazing hot dogs.
0: I remember, you know, we would have like a burrito truck or an ice cream truck come and we would call, you know, the service manager in the service building and say, hey, send over half the techs, you know, and the the technicians come over. They're just happy to be out of the garage and they're yeah. in line and they're getting free lunch, a giant burrito or, you know, whatever. And, you know, the grand, the grand scheme of things, you yeah, whatever you expense it to the marketing budget, it's fine. It's not like it's a huge expense on your business and it creates the aura of something going on. Right, uh-huh. it's exciting. You're talking about it, and it's good for morale because then the employees are like, "Wow, these guys are really putting an effort into making this a big day." And now I'm getting my free lunch, and you know they're bugging the radio station. Hey, you got a free T-shirt, and and um, it, you know it, it just has that all around atmosphere of being an event, and uh, I think that's good to do. You know, up here in in um, in Connecticut, it's hard to do year round, obviously, but of course. Um, but you know in the spring, summer, and fall, I think it's good to have those kind of things going on. Do it once a month, whatever it is.
1: Well, and I think like what it is is and that one dealership did a great job of and I actually did similar something similar at my dealership as well mm-hmm. is um, the city that my dealership went it had some amazing local food trucks, like some really good ones. So I would actually contact the local food trucks and I would I'm like, I want three of you guys here. I pick the slowest day. Of my week, right? Right. We do it. We do it after hours. My team would move the entire front line of vehicles to the back. We would park the trucks out front there, and we made it a community thing. And it was just literally an after-hours get-together, all right. And the first five hundred people, or no, sorry, the first hundred, sorry, the first hundred people that showed up got a five-dollar coupon to their choice of of uh, food trucks, which actually was good for me because then logistically, I didn't have to worry about barbecuing or cooking or having any of the liabilities or any of that. Yeah. Stuff. Right. Right. And that turned into during the summers, every second Tuesday of the month, we did that. Yeah. And now see, that's a community thing. See, it's too many many dealerships, you know, say that they're a part of the community, but it's different being a part of the community than actually being in the community. Yeah. Right. So part of the community, they're like, uh, well, you know, I sponsor the little league team and I have the hockey team I sponsored and and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's not being yeah. in the community. That's being a part of the community. And that's great. And I'm glad that you do that, yeah. but be in the community dealerships have the space and they have the budgets to create their own community, um, experience or, uh, opportunities to create community. You know, it's not enough that I, you just went and parked your car at the local rib fest. That's not being in the community. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What about a dealership like offering up their showroom for meetings, after hours meetings of, you know, yep. the Chamber of Commerce or the Electric Car Club or things like that? Then you're part of the community. Then you're then you're in the community. Yeah, I mean, I had one dealership that Well, I mean, now,
1: obviously, because COVID, everything's changed, but um, they were um, allowing a couple um, local um, nonprofits use their boardrooms. Yeah. For their kind of, you know, monthly get togethers and stuff. Like they had this big, beautiful boardroom, all this amazing tech and, you know, audio video equipment and stuff like that that was getting used like once a month. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, Um, Might as well. I actually had a Mercedes dealership um, that was hosting weekly uh, yoga, weekly yoga. Now, I'm not a yoga person. Can you imagine me in yoga pants?
0: Um, but I'm trying not to.
1: <laughs> and now i got that in your head. All your listeners are going, oh, gosh, what does Jason look like in yoga pants? Um, but they were, they were doing this yeah. weekly yoga thing, and they cleared out the showroom. And it's a beautiful, That's a great room, idea. very contemporary showroom. So it's yep. a great place to do it. They yep. Do weekly yoga.
0: All right, before we let you go, uh, quick questions here. Um, uh, favorite brown liquid. Uh, do you prefer coffee or bourbon? Ooh, tough one, right? Um, right now, I'm on a kind of an
1: Irish whiskey kick. Like, um... like so, I, my favorite one right now is uh, called Redbreast never heard of it and it's they make it like a 12 and a 14 year you know bottle and it's just write that down um i'm fine i'm finding right now see i've I've, I've done through the scotches i've done through the bourbons i've done a bunch of cognac um cognac and um i'm finding right now that this sweet spot in kind of the flavor with you know to the dollar Mm -hmm. um, irish whiskey offers a lot of value for the money I wish, let me write that down.
0: My <laughs> liquor store in town delivers now. So it's really easy to get. That's there another, that's one of the best things about COVID. You go online, you order something at 11 in the morning, and at two o'clock, the guy knocks on your door and drops it off. <laughs> cool. it off. I mean, that's I like that. Come on. I think that's, a, if any positive is going to come out of this, it was that for me anyway. That well, and the, as an industry, though,
1: we, we have to kind of look at that too. It's not enough that we just meet the customer's expectations. Yeah. Right. The customer now has gotten used to, Uh, other businesses and other verticals, not just meeting the expectation, but exceeding the expectation. Mm -hmm. So I think as an industry, we have to ask ourselves, how do we exceed the customer's expectations moving forward?
0: If, you know, if they're getting that from every place they're doing business, from retail, from if you're closing on your house virtually, if you're doing any of those things, why can't the place you're buying a car also do that? Exactly. And we got to be ready for it. Well, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it's this. I, I like how at the beginning, before we started recording, we didn't really know whose podcast we were recording. So that was exciting. <laughs> um, so this has been a mostly automotive marketing episode, but I think we should do a, an episode of the Jason Harris show. hundred percent. We're totally going to do that. I'm in. I like it. Don't have to wear a tie though. Do I? Yes. I'd I put on a collared shirt for this and but it's not and even on pants video. Are optional. Yeah. I mean, oh, work. Work well, I don't wear pants no. at all when I work now. Yeah. <laughs> I just make sure that I just make sure that my computer's camera is from just the, the from the from waist the chest up, and go. my my coworkers never know unless I accidentally stand up, and then it's a huge problem. It's the best. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate the time, man. This has been fun. Thanks, Matt. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me. Sure, absolutely. Another episode of Multi Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson coming up next week. Oh, but Friday there is a live episode at ten thirty a.m. Make sure to tune in for that. Thanks for listening.